know there's a difference when you come expecting and you just come because you're supposed to come. There's a difference when you come out of a, a week of intimacy with the Lord or when you come out of the business of the week and you just show up. There's a difference. You know, my desire and God's desire is, is that we come out of an intimacy, out of a connection with Him all week long. And I know we, we have jobs and we work. We have situations, trials. Some of you have been in the hospital this week. Some in our body are still in the hospital. Family issues come up. But, you know, there's not, no better way to deal with all those things and all the cares of this world than having and spending time with the Lord. You know, I'm going to teach on the anointing today. But even at the end of my notes, is, is if you don't spend time with him, if you're not in his word, that's just a really cool word, anointing. We have a lot of cool words that we use in our religiosity. But God desires so much more than usually what we're willing to give him. He desires fellowship with us. He desires intimacy with us. Even the word worship is talking about intimacy. One definition for worship is to kiss. Just to kiss upward. So a lot of you, I know, how many of you have had a busy week? Just raise your hand. Most of you. How many of you have encountered some trials this week? How many of you have had physical ailment, ailment this week? Okay. You know what? Those are just a lot of distractions. I'm so thankful for all the people that have helped out during the week. You know what? It's so cool about all that this taking place is I don't see that it's been a distraction for a lot of them because they fellowship with one another. You see, a part of fellowshipping with God is fellowshipping with his people. It's not just showing up and doing something. It's showing up and being something and ministering to one another. I've seen it and I've heard it as I've been up here. So if, if we don't ever get to that place, guys, you'll never come to the place where you're real teachable if you're always busy. You don't have time to learn. So that's I want to speak that over you this morning. I know, I know that the that the world has a lot of pull on us, and we're gonna we're gonna deal with that this morning in Scripture. But until we come to that place where we can understand who we are in Christ and that we are overcomers, that we are we've already won. Till we come to that place, then our day to day will be we'll just call it what it is. Hey, it's just a struggle. And God didn't mean for us to walk day to day with struggles. He, needs, he means for us to walk today, day to day successfully in victory. You know, when I just when I preached last week on, on the finished work of Christ, when he says to tell us that it is finished, my bride, it wasn't a oh, man, I just I can't believe it finally got through with it. You know, it was a victorious. I, it's finished. It's finished. And until we understand that, we'll still we'll still struggle. Until we understand that, that he's already completed the work and he's still completing the work in us until he, until he comes, until we die, or until he comes back to get us, the finished product is, is, is when we meet him in the air or when we meet him and when, we, when we are transformed from this life to the next. He's working in us and he's, he's completing the work. But, it's, it's, you know, you can't really explain everything that God writes in his word because we're not finished yet, but we're finished. The work's still here. And some people, you know, I, I didn't want to leave you. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of dangerous when you preach a sermon and you want to preach another two, three hours because you're, you, you think, well, maybe at the end of that sermon, people thought, man, we're, we're, we're done, we're finished, we don't have to do anything. And I tried to incorporate that in the message last week, that there is a responsibility. But I said it out of the word response. So when you say the word response, it's really the, it's the root word for responsibility. What is our response to so great a salvation? What is our responsibility to so great a salvation? So I want to go first to 1 John chapter 2. 
So if you have your Bibles, go there. We'll be reading from the Passion Translation. Now, Ron Campbell, if you didn't hear, uh, he was he just got back from South Africa last week, like Tuesday, long trip. And then Wednesday, he came down with a flu, and it was not a strain from America. So he brought some f- funky flu from South Africa. And he said, I think I better stay home. And we said, please do. <laughs> we love you, and we're going to pray for your healing there. <laughs> so he, the plans are that he will be here next weekend, this coming weekend. And so I told you that I was through the Under Construction series, and I guess, you know, it doesn't matter if we put a title to it. So we're still under that series, if you want to call it Under Construction, so we can put a cool slide up and, you know. But we're under construction. All of us are in the process. Work out your salvation. What? With fear and trembling. Work it out. Go to the gym. What do you do? You work it out. So we're working out our salvation. And in the process of working out our salvation... And drawing closer and maturing uh, in, in our faith, all those things are bringing glory to God. They're honoring God. See, that's really the end, end, end game for our life, is that everything that we do honors and glorifies God. Sometimes we get confused about that, and we want to honor and glorify self, or we honor and glorify the world, and God says, no, 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 no. Your job, your, your, what your, the results of my, my giving to you is that you would give to me your life. And your life would be a glory and an honor to me. That's what he's saying. So this morning, if you turn to 1 John 2, I'm going to spend a little time kind of recapping a little bit from last week. How many of you weren't here last week? How many were Oh, my goodness. I just preached last week's sermon again. We'll be good. If we ever get everybody here at the same time, we, we're going to be uh, needing some more chairs. Okay. Please don't wait till Resurrection Day for everybody to show up. Okay. Or Mother's Day or Christmas. Okay. Well, we don't call it Easter. Only Nacho Libre calls it Easter's. With an S. That's a whole other sermon. Oh, he's going to attack the bunny now. No, I'm not going to attack the bunny. Well, I ought to. It's good. No. First John 2 1 and 2. We're just going to look at these and get through them until we get to the anointing. <clears throat> you are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face-to-face with the Father. We have an advocate, New King James says. Jesus Christ, what does Christ mean? Anointed one, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So if you're here this morning, you say you don't sin, then you're a liar. Okay? We are free from sin, but we still sin. He goes back to, I'm going to take you back to the previous chapter, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we boast that we have no sin, he's talking to the church here. We only, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we're not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with His light, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. He's making it pretty clear here that we still sin. Even though He's completed the work in us, we still sin. Is God happy when we sin? Does He want us to sin? Of course not. Why? Because when we sin, we're going against the will of God. We're going against the Word of God. But He understands that we're still flesh. We're still human. We have, we're not, we've not achieved perfection, and we won't ever achieve perfection this side of heaven. But here's the reason. That's why Jesus died, because He was and is perfection. And that's why we are hidden in Him. See, I'm hidden in Christ. That's important to understand. Now, I love how this translation puts it because it says, when God uncovers the sin with His light. You know what we like to do? We're really quick. We want to uncover people's sin. We want to point people's sin out. But the, the Scripture says here, when God uncovers it. See, when God uncovers your sin, that's when He wants you to do something about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
Men, as when you get saved, you don't know certain things about you don't know etiquette in church. You don't know right from wrong and a lot of things. You don't know scripture yet, but you're a baby in Christ. But all of a sudden, you're walking along one day and the Holy Spirit says, I know you've been doing that and you think it's okay, but today I'm going to let you know that it's not okay. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's the maturing, it's a maturing process when He shows you and He exposes it. He exposes it out of love. We sometimes don't expose people's sins out of love. We expose people's sins out of, out of getting even with them or expose them because we don't like them. Expose them for this reason or that reason. So listen, quit trying to judge other people and expose their sin. Leave that to Holy Spirit. He is much better at it. You know, so many times people come to me and they've got an issue about something or someone in the church. And I say, here's my first question. Have you been praying for them? Uh, no. Well, then start praying for them. Well, they're doing this. We'll start asking Holy Spirit to reveal it to them. If that's wrong and you know that it's wrong and it's against the Word of God, do you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to them? God has done that so many times for me. He's gotten me out of so many confrontational issues. How many of you like confrontation? I don't know about you, but I don't. I'd rather let Holy Spirit confront them. He knows how to do it much better than we do. So I'm asking you this morning, let's go by what the Word says. Let God expose the sin that's in us so we can walk in the light, so we can confess our sins, so we can say, God, I am so sorry. I want, to, I, want to be on, I want to be on the straight and narrow. I want to please you with my life. Okay? Verse 3. Here's how we can... 1 John 2. We're back to 1 John 2. Here's how we can be sure that we truly come to know God if we keep His commands. I know this sounds so elementary. But it's something so many people don't do. If someone claims I've come to know God by experience yet doesn't keep God's commands, he's a phony. Whew. And the truth finds no place in him. But the love of God will be perfected. What does that word mean, be perfected? Completed. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. Is that not, is that rocket science or what? It is not. He's asking us to obey His Word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live, listen, in intimacy with God, not, ju not just by saying, I'm intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. You know what He's saying here is talk is cheap. Uh, uh, you can put on a facade. You, you, can, you can come in with the biggest Bible. You can have one of those family Bibles. You can walk in here. <laughs> And you can tell everybody how, oh, I've just been witnessing for Jesus. You know, people that tell you stuff that they're doing for the Lord usually aren't doing anything for the Lord. If they got to tell you, just saying. If you got to put on a front, then you're probably not really living according to God's Word and His plan in your life. What He's saying is the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to become like God. That's right, isn't it? The more mature you're going to become, it's all about the fellowship and the intimacy with God. It's important who you hang out with. If you're, you know, the old saying, if you're running with dogs, guess what? You're going to get fleas. What was the answer over here that was wrong? If you're running with dogs, you're going to get what? You're going to get caught by the pound. No, you are a dog. If you're on a dog, you are a dog. Well, that, okay. It's true. That's why it says in, uh, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. You want to have evil, uh, you want to have a bad character? Hang out with people of bad character. Oh, well, I'm going to win them over to the, well, that would be awesome. But if you're a baby Christian, if you're just barely getting into this thing called Christianity, you may not be winning them into that way of life. You might be sucked back into your own life. And that applies to relationships. It's so funny. I was, we were at that, like Mary Lou said, we were in a leadership or a, a conference yesterday. It wasn't just leadership, but I was in the leadership meeting. And this lady said, well, we got an issue in our church. There, there are two people that are shacking up and they're in leadership. What should we do? What would you do? I said, well, they just wouldn't be in leadership, you know, because we, we have standards. The Bible has standards. I mean, I don't know how many people I've confronted in this church from the pulpit. You know, if you're living together, you're not married, you're living in sin. You're living, you're living in fornication. And what do you need to do? You need to separate until you get married or you need to separate until you're not going to marry each other. 
You're getting away from each other. And people, now they look at me like, I had a couple one time, they, they came and they said, well, we want marriage counseling. I didn't really know them. They were from some other place. You know, they weren't from our church. And they were asking me for marriage counseling. And I said, okay, I'll be glad to, to work some things out with you. Here's the first thing. Oh, you got, and I always ask, I'm just honest. I said, are y'all living together? Y'all sleeping together? Yeah, 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 yeah. What is that? That's sin. <laughs> okay, if you want to continue on premarital counseling with me, then you've got to agree. You've got to commit to separate. You've got to quit sleeping together. You've got to, be, you've got to get away from each other. They looked at me like I had three heads. You know why? Because our culture said it's okay. Well, how dare you get up in our business? And they, they stormed out of my office. I don't know what happened to them. But God's standards are high. Would you expect God's standards to be low anyway? Perfect God? Oh, let me lower my standards just for you because I know y'all really love each other. <laughs> no. Okay. Verse 7, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old one that you have had from the beginning. That's in Leviticus uh, 19.18, in case you want to know where that originally came from. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. But an old one that you heard, had from the beginning, you've already heard it. Yet, in a sense, it is a new commandment, as its truth is made manifest both in Christ and in you, because the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already blazing. Anyone who says, I'm in the light while holding hatred in his heart toward a fellow believer is still in the darkness. Uh-oh. But the one who truly loves a fellow believer lives in the light, and there's nothing in him that will cause someone else to stumble. But whoever hates a fellow believer lives in the darkness, stumbling around the dark with no clue where he's going, for he is blinded by the darkness. So if you're walking around, uh, you, you say, I'm, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, but a man, if I could, let me tell you about old so-and-so. I hate that guy, I hate his guts. You know, wouldn't believe the things I've, that he's done to me. Listen, when you start saying you hate their guts and you're talking about a believer, you need to start turning that around to yourself and say, what am I doing? What am I saying? Because God says I'm supposed to love everybody. You know, he starts with, he says, he starts with the easy part here. Love your fellow believer. But in the church, we have people that hate their fellow believer. Now, they may not oh, vocally, they may not say it, but in their heart, they were like, man, I hope he gets hit by the bus today or something. You know, you better check your salvation first. But if you're saved and you're, and you're, and you're speaking those things, then you've got to know this. The Bible says you're walking in darkness. You're just going to stumble. You're not, in other words, you're not going to have any success in your life if you go around carrying this hatred toward your fellow man, to your fellow believer. You know, see, he hadn't even got to love your enemies. <laughs> he said, just, we're just, he commands us to love one another. He commands us to love our fellow believer. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I love you. Unless you don't. Some of you turn and went, I, uh, 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 I love you. That's like Archie Bunker, and I'm going way back. When he would have to, when he was supposed to tell Edith that he was sorry, I'm, he could never get it out. I don't think he ever got the word out sorry. He just never could ask her to forgive him. should be easy to look at your Christian brother and sister and say, I love you. should be easy. You know, there's darkness and light, love and hate. It's not complicated, is it? Verse 12, I remind you, dear children. Now, he, he's going to break these things down, children, fathers and mothers and young people. But he's really talking spiritual here, okay? So don't get hung up on that terminology. I remind you, dear children, your sins have been, ooh, like this permanently removed hallelujah all your sins have been permanently removed i know a lot of people i don't know about that but it's what he says because of the power of your name no because the power of his name all my sins have been forgiven so why do i need to ask him to forgive me my sins when i when i sin because when you start sinning you start walking in rebellion even though all your sins are forgiven it breaks fellowship with god the best way I can say that and make you understand it is in my best illustration of that is if you're married 
And you know you're married, you're committed to each other, you've got a covenant relationship. You said it even in church, you said it for the past, you said it for all your friends. And if you're married and you live together and you, you sleep in the same bed, but one of these days, one day you have an argument, you have a knockdown direct, well, not knocked down, but you just have a bad argument. And she goes to one room, boom, slams the door. You go to the other room, boom, slams the door. Are you still married? Are you in fellowship? No. No, sir, Pastor. I won't fellowship with my wife. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, guys. You'll do anything to get back in fellowship with them. That's why the guys used the first ones to cave. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry. Take me back. Give me a dollar. Yeah. Fellowship. That's worship. <laughs> yeah. Move on, Mary Lou said. But you're still married. You're just not in fellowship. And that's the way it is with believers. When we, when we just flat out say, God, I'm not listening. I'm not going to, uh-uh. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I know you don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You just exited fellowship with God. You know why? Because you don't want to talk to him. You don't want to ask him if it's okay. So you're breaking fellowship with him, right? Remember, I did a sermon many years ago. I should bring it back. When David, when the, when King David, he was going into battle, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Three times he inquired of the Lord about three different battles, and the Lord gave him a, a strategy for the three different battles, and he won. But when he saw naked Bathsheba up on the rooftop bathing, he inquired of the woman, because he didn't want to hear what he should. Oh Lord, this is this is King David. I know I should have been in battle, but man, she is hot. Lord, do you think I could just bring her on over? Do you think I could? No, he ain't going to ask her that. He ain't going to ask God about Bathsheba. Why? Because he knew what God would say. He inquired of the woman. So, see, sometimes we just inquire of ourselves. We inquire of the enemy. We inquire of the world. And we don't inquire of God. And then we get ourselves in a mess. We go, God, what happened? He said, well, you broke fellowship with me because you took your own way and not my way. Let's just move on. I remind you, fathers and mothers, you have a relationship with the one who has existed from the beginning. And I remind you, young people, you have defeated the evil one. I write these things to you, dear children, because you truly have a relationship with the Father. I write these things, fathers and mothers, because you have had a true relationship with Him who is from the beginning. And I write these things, young people, because you are strong. The Word of God is treasured in your hearts, and you have defeated the evil one. Now, there are three declarations there you need to get in your heart. You want to know who you are in Christ? You know, you, you want to know who He is in you? Then you need to grab hold of these three promises here. That your sins have been permanently removed. That you have a personal relationship with God. And you have defeated the devil because Christ in you has defeated the devil at the cross. So that's who we are in Christ. Your sins are gone. You have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. A, a personal, vital relationship with the King. And you have defeated the enemy because of Christ in you. Man, you wake up and make those declarations over yourself and you can walk out of your, out of your house with, with men with, with joy in your heart. You can walk out of your house with, a, with a, a victorious step. You can walk out of your house thinking, man, God, who do you've got in mind for me to go after today for the kingdom of God? But if you don't know, if you wake up and oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I don't know if I can make it another day. I've just sinned so much. I just, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, God. If you, if you wake up, God, where are you? I haven't heard from you. Uh, you've got a relationship with him. But, oh, you know, he's so distant from you. You don't have that personal relationship. And if you walk out of the house and you feel like, oh, I'm just a, uh, what is it, Igor? Is that the, oh, it's going to be a long day. Eeyore? Yeah, Eeyore. I'm defeated. I have no place to go. I watched Christopher Robin this week. I didn't grow up with the Winnie the Pooh, so Igor, Eeyore, I don't know. Anybody seen that movie, Christopher Robin? Mary Lou said, why are you spending your time watching Christopher Robin? So I could learn how to do Eeyore's voice. Okay. All right. He was such a depressing guy. Just depressed. Man, I know Christians like that. You know Christians like that? How you doing? Okay, I guess. <laughs> that was a good one. Verse 15, moving on. 
Don't set the affections of your heart on this world. Oh, there's another tough thing. He's, it's so complicated, isn't it? Don't set your affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. They do not mix oil and water. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God will live forever. Again, this is not complicated. So I hope you're grabbing hold of this, especially if you were on here last week, of knowing your identity in Christ. John's showing us a specific area of sin that threatens our fellowship with God. And he's saying, get away, quit loving the world. There's so much of the world that's gotten into the church, sometimes it's hard to distinguish. So much of the world we've allowed to get into our lives and, and we've, start, we've compromised so much that we, we don't even know that the world's already in there. We listen to so much bad language when we hear when we watch a movie that you already you're just you don't even hear it anymore Oof. we hear blasphemy over and over and over i've got this app i told you it's called vid angel so you can go on and you can click out and you know what they call the bad language which which is you know using god's name in vain or jesus's name in vain they call it blasphemy you click off the blasphemy there's one movie I thought this looks like it's an exciting movie and it had the filters were like 350 filters and people watch that stuff without filters and guess what they're getting in their spirit and they're like oh no that, that language wasn't bad at all <laughs> oh well, let me show you because we become dulled to the things of the world and we start accepting the things of the world and we just move on You know, the very temptations that he's mentioning here are the very temptations that got Adam and Eve in all the trouble. It was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hey, you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like God. Pride. Oh, that fruit looks good. Mm. Lust of the eyes. Oh, that's going to taste so good when you eat it. That's the lust of the flesh. He said, listen, don't get caught up in that. Don't let the world suck you in. Verse 18. Dear children, the end of this age is near. See, they thought the end of this age was near because the, because the Holy Spirit had come and the church age had begun. So when we talk about an age in, in time, we're in the second day, according to Peter. Okay? A day is, is, is a thousand years with the, with the Lord. So we're like in the second second day. So he could say that. Dear children, the end of this age is near. You've heard that Antichrist, capital A... Is, is arising, and in fact, many enemies of Christ have already appeared. And this is how we know that we're living in the closing hour of this age. For even though they were once a part of us, they withdrew from us because they were never really of our number. For if they had only begun, if they had truly belonged to us, they would have continued with us. By, by leaving our community of believers, they made it obvious that they never really belonged to us. Now, I think this is a great scripture that talks about, because uh, we see people that we think, we're Christians, and then they left, and then we start thinking, well, I think they've lost their salvation. And we start judging people in that manner. But here the Bible says that they were never really a part of us. You see, there are people that can be, you, you can be here in this church service this morning. You could have been dunked in water. You could have signed on the membership card. You could have been, you could be a, you could come here every Sunday and still be lost. Did you know that? Because only God knows your heart. I don't know your heart. I can't see in there. God knows your heart whether you're saved or not. And, and he's going on to say that there were, there were antichrists, little a. There were people coming in deceitful. They were telling lies to the congregation. And they were, and all of a sudden it looked like they were a part of us. But all of a sudden they've left. They've gone. They've moved on. And we look at them and say, you know what? They were never really a part of us. How many of you know people that they've come to churches and they come to churches and if everything doesn't line up the way they want it to, they leave that church and they go to try to find another church where they can control and manipulate people. 
And then if that, if that doesn't work there, they'll go to another church. And one, and then finally they say, you know what? Everybody in the church is just a hypocrite. I can't go to church. Church is no good. You know what they've done? They've put their faith and their hope and their trust in church and not in God. They put their faith and their hope and their trust in an organized religion or something. Or that they, they're, they're so high and mighty, nobody else can measure up to them. And the only people, listen, when they finally leave and they start their own house church with just the, themselves, because they're the only person as spiritual as they are, more than likely they are a believer because they put their trust in something other than Jesus Christ. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, listen, you're not going to get kicked out of every church. You're going to find a place where you can serve because you're going to find common ground in the blood of Jesus Christ and not because you've made up a decision that everybody doesn't measure up to me. Okay. This is my rant. Beware of super spiritual people. You know what I'm talking about? Beware of people that are so self-righteous. Matter of fact, I just hear some great advice to if you're hanging around self-righteous people, quit hanging around them. There's a reason they call it self-righteous. Get away from them. Or pray for them, then get away from them. Verse 20, getting into the anointing. Can y'all say anointing? In Texan, anointing. The Holy One has anointed you. And you all know the truth. So I'm writing you not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and no lie belongs to the truth. Who anoints us? Jesus, I'm not going to anoint you. I might anoint you with oil, but Jesus is the one that anoints you with the Holy Spirit. See, we can make it real complicated or we can simplify it. And I wanna, I'm going to try to make it very understandable because I've been studying about the anointing. The anointing is basically the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit manifests itself, and that's when you see the anointing. You, you, every Christian, listen, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in you. The Bible says if you don't have the Spirit's not in you, you have no part in Him. Okay? So when you gave your life to Christ, when you said, when you said, I repent, I, I surrender, Lord, I give you my life, the Holy Spirit comes in that moment and He takes up residence. That's when you are the anointed of Jesus Christ. Say, I am anointed. That's when you have the power to live a successful Christian life. And listen, when he says that you will know all things, he's not talking about all of a sudden you have the knowledge of God. He's talking about in, in relationship to the false teachers that were teaching at that time. He said, you're going to know things by the Spirit, that the, what they're teaching is wrong. How many of you have ever known that? Man, you by the Spirit, somebody's been preaching or you're listening to a sermon, or, and you discern by the Spirit, now that, is, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you. That's what the Holy Spirit revealing to you. How many of you know when you're reading the Word of God and men you don't understand the Word of God and all of a sudden there, there's a rhema word. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, brings that Word to life to you and all of a sudden you understand it. You know what I'm talking about? That's the anointing. That's the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you. He's teaching you. Do we still need teachers? You better believe we need teachers. John is teaching them right here in this Word. So when you go, oh, no, I'm just I'm a spirit filled. I don't need the word. I don't need anybody. The Holy Spirit just going to teach me. He's not talking about that. You're taking it out of context. You're perverting it when you do that. Because a lot of you don't know, know enough of the word for the Holy Spirit to enlighten the word to you. You got to get into the word. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he, he's anointed you and we know the truth. Why does he want us to know the truth so we can discern the lies? Because they're out there. People are coming all around. Listen, people will come into your church services and they will try to tell you lies. I don't know how many of you knew this last week, but during the video, when it was all dark, a man came up and he stood right. I was watching the video. I was enjoying the video. And he comes in, he stands right here. And the security team thought it was Nathaniel, our drummer. And Mary Lou did too. Jeff, did. Everybody thought it was Nathaniel except for a couple of people. 
And he's, he's confronting me. He said, I've got a word for the church. There's going to be catastrophe, catastrophe in three days. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know you. I don't know you. You think I'm going to let you take this microphone and tell the church something? I don't know. I don't know your character. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you're about to tell them. I don't know if you're going to get this microphone and try to tell them that Jesus is, is not Lord. I don't know. And then I said, and he just looked at me and he stood there like he wasn't going to leave again. And I said, listen, I do not know you. Step down. Get off of this stage. You're all in captured in the video. There are people out there I don't know. In three days, nothing that I know. Catastrophe happened. But I don't know if that's what he would have said if I would have given him a mic. There's a protocol. That's the last thing I told him. I said, man, we got a protocol here. You got a word for the church, you go to find one of our elders and you tell the elder and then they're going to weigh the word. And if then they think it's, if there's some value in it, then they'll come and share with me. Did y'all know we have protocol here? And listen, we, we're, we kind of come up with a new plan. If you're not invited up on the stage, you might get shot. No? Or shot? Oh, you might be escorted off the stage. Limping. I'm sorry to say, but we live in that kind of a time. I don't remember when I was a kid growing up, the word security never came up except eternal security or not in, <laughs> eternal insecurity. We had no security team in our church. Anybody grow up? You, you had guys with guns at church or women with guns? I, it was kind of like foreign to us. And now we've got churches getting trained in security and how to respond. But if somebody really wants to hurt you, I guess they can. But we need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Anyway. I don't know how I got there from that. Oh, I know. Because there are liars out there. There are liars. There are wolves. And they look like sheep. And we need... The power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to know. You need the Holy Spirit to know. When your children say, can I go play with so-and-so? And the Holy Spirit says, they don't need to be hanging around that family. You need to hear. And I'm not saying I'll ever, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just using that as an example. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit in everything in our life. Should I take that job? Holy Spirit says, no way. No way. We need to listen. Because the Holy Spirit in us is speaking truth to us. He's not going to lie to you. He can't lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. Now, I believe that there's an anointing that comes. This is going to be me. Anointing that comes when you get saved. And that's the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. I believe that there's another anointing. There's a power anointing that comes. And I want to show you where that is. When Jesus, after he came out of the water, he was baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens opened, right? And the dove descended upon him. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. I say upon him. Upon him. And he stepped out of the water. And the, the skies opened. God said, this is my son. I'm well, I'm well pleased with him. He went and confronted Satan. And after he confronted Satan, under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he walked into the synagogue. And he, opened, he, he went up to the front and he opened the scroll to Isaiah 61. And he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This anointing, I believe, is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit to move in power and in the giftings that God has for every believer. I believe it comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never, you've never crossed that line and said, I want everything that God has for me. Listen, are you saved? Yes, you're saved if you've given your life to Christ. But is there more? Yes, there is more in Jesus Christ in the cross. He wants to anoint you with the Holy Spirit and with power so that we can go and affect this city for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God. So we can go and lay our hands on the sick and sick and they do recover. When we can cast out demons in the name of Jesus, when we can do all these things that He has already said are available to every believer. Every believer has this opportunity. 
Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. God anoints us. We have giftings. People say you're anointed for this. Have anybody ever said, uh, you've ever heard somebody say, God, you mean you're anointed for fill in the blank? Anybody? You're anointed for healing. You're anointed for worship. You're anointed for prayer. You're anointed for, for casting out demons. You're anointed for this. You're anointed for that. In other words, God has gifted you in specific ways. But can, does that limit God to, to, to gifting you in other ways? No, it does not. Because He can gift you for whatever the, whatever the occasion calls for. He can gift you at that moment. If you're willing, listen to me, if you're willing to yield to the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to be intimate with God, if you're willing to get into the Word of God and study the Word of God, if you're willing to spend time with Him, if you're willing to abide in Him and remain in Him, you've got to be willing to do those things. It just, it doesn't just be, it's just not automatic. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. It's what He wants you to be. He wants you to empty the junk of this world out of your life so you can receive the Spirit of God. What are you telling her? She, she calls on me, I'll call on her. She is my biggest fan and critic. <laughs> now, we talk about the sermon every Sunday after we go home. Why did you say that? <laughs> that was good. I mean, she didn't just point out the bad things. She points out the good things. That's how I learn. That's how I learn. Husbands, listen to your wives. Wives, listen to your husbands. Works both ways. You see, this word anointed means to smear, to rub. In the Old Testament, when they anointed a king or a priest, what did they do, Rita? They poured oil over their men, like massive oil, like getting an oil change, standing under the car when they unhooked the filter. They anointed them with oil. And what they were doing by saying, by doing that, they were saying, I have set you apart to be a priest or to be a king. Well, what does the Bible say? What does the New Testament say about us as believers? We are priests and kings so we're anointed but it changed in the new testament the anointing became more about the holy spirit and the the, the oil represents the holy spirit when we anoint somebody with oil oh it's slick this is prayer of faith unscented golden oil from the fruit of the olive tree for external use only it's anointing and blessing oil for christians you can also use it to fry food. It's just oil. And that's a different oil? Oh, you couldn't. Okay. This is just, this is oil. It's, it's what it represents. It's like, it's like the grape juice. It just what it represents. It's like the little piece of bread, what it represents. It's the oil, the anointing oil. And when we put it on somebody, we're saying, Holy Spirit, wow. Heal this person in the name of Jesus. Not in my name, but in the name of Jesus. If you don't have any oil, guess what? It's okay. He said, you shall lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Didn't say anything there about oil. He's okay, oil or no oil. He just wants us to be obedient. He just wants us to pray for the sick. Like Jeff said, Wednesday night at their life group, four people got healed. Isn't that, isn't that what we want to hear? That's the anointing. Kings and priests were anointed. You are anointed. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've been anointed for service. You've been anointed with power. You may, you may ask God, what is, what is the gift that you've given me? He said, I've given you the gift of miracles. I've given you the gift of healing. I've given you the gift of tongues. I've given you the gift of interpretation of tongues. I've given you this gift or that gift. Father, what? I've given you the gift of prophecy. 
And he wants to give us the gifts. It says he come from, he comes from on high and he gives out gifts to those. He gives, he gives out offices, the gifts of a prophet and, and pastors and teachers and evangelists and, and apostles. He gives out gifts and he anoints us to do what he's called us to do. Listen, when he's called you to do something, he will anoint you to have the power to do it. He doesn't just go, okay, I think you ought to be a pastor, Harold, and then not give me the power to be a pastor. He anointed me to do this. It was a calling from God. Even when something I, I'm going through a list of, of great job opportunities. I didn't look in the one as the pastor wanted. Oh, I think I'll do that. Some people do that though. It's got to be a calling. But when God calls you, He equips you. And He equips you with this thing called the Holy Spirit, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the power, it's the manifest presence of God in your heart, in your life to do something spectacular for His, go- for his, for his glory, not for your own. Verse 22. Who is the real liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the real Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever rejects the Son rejects the Father. Whoever embraces the Son embraces the Father also. So you must be sure to keep the message burning in your hearts. That's why I encourage you every Sunday, be in church. Every Monday night, if you can be in Bible study, be in Bible study. Every Wednesday night, if you can be in life group, be in life group. If Thursday night, college kids, be, be where you're supposed to be. Friday, if you're supposed to be at the pantry, be at the pantry. Because every time we, when you show up, God shows off. Every time you show up, God says, now the message is going to continue to burn in your hearts. You're going to hear the preaching. You're hear, you'll hear my son preach on Fridays down in the, in the, in the coffee shop. You'll hear Jeff preach or, or, or share on Wednesday night. You'll hear Brandy teach. You'll hear your life group pastors will be teaching listen when we're when we're always connected then when the message continues to burn in our hearts but listen once you get out of the habit of that all of a sudden and you quit reading your word and all of a sudden you quit praying and you think things are going to go well for you they will not he says keep the message burning in your hearts that is the message of life listen if it's not the message of life then it's the message of death so you must be sure to keep that message burning that you've heard from the beginning. If you do, you will always, always, always be living in close fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And He Himself has promised us the never-ending life of the ages to come. I want that. I choose life. I choose the Word over the world. I choose being with you instead of being at the bar. Hanging out with the wrong crowd. A lot of think you can do that and get by with it. I'm telling you, that's a bad idea. Again, you hang out with dogs, you run dogs, you're going to start itching. And I don't know about a lot of you. I don't know what you do in your, in your free time. But I want you to quit calling it your free time. Start calling it your God time. Start giving that time to God and see what changes in your life. You'll see a profound change. Jesus said in John 15, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me, as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. You want to be fruit bearers? Hang out with Jesus. But when you, love, when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But, say but. But if you live in life union with me and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Why will your, why will your prayers be answered when you're, having, when you're abiding in Him? Because your desires will be His desires. If you're not abiding in Him, you say, well, God, I want this, I need this, I want that. And God says, nah, 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 nah. And you go, well, God didn't answer my prayers. Yes, He did. He said, no, no, no. He always answers your prayers. Sometimes he says, just be quiet. You're not getting that. It's not, it's what, it's not what's going to be good for you. But if you're abiding in him, then he's going to, the thought process, the, the, when he's speaking to you, the words in you, what you pray for, you'll get because it's in accordance with his will. Verse 26. I've written these things about those who are attempting to lead you astray. But the wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than their deception and now lives in you. Say, His anointing lives in me.
The wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than the reception now lives in you. There's no need for anyone to keep teaching you. His anointing teaches you all that you need to know, for it will lead you into truth, not a counterfeit. So just as the anointing has taught you, remain in him. He re-emphasizes what he just said a few verses earlier. The anointing will teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you into truth. God will never lead you into a lie. God will never lead you astray. So if you fall into the ditch and you claim that God led you there, that's not true. God's going to lead you only where he wants to lead you that's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit him. It's going to benefit the kingdom. So you need to ask Holy Spirit, lead me. I want to be true. I want to hear the truth. I want to be led by your truth. You have the Holy Spirit within you. So you need to start asking him. Lord, what is this person, what this, what this teaching is, is it truth or false? Is it a lie? Is that a wolf I'm listening to? Or is that a sheep? Is that a shepherd? You know how you're going to gauge that? Even by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's through knowing the Word of God and getting the Word of God in you. There's no shortcut there. I know we like shortcuts. Anybody like shortcuts? How many of you get the instructions to something in the books that thick, but they've got the, uh, what, what guide is it? The quick guide. How many of you get the quick guide first? Mostly it's guys. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. There's no shortcuts. You want to know the word? Get in the word. You want to know the word? Listen to the word. You want to fellowship with God? Get with God. There's no shortcuts. I'm sorry. I, I wish I could go to the gym once a month and be buff like Reggie. Once a month. Man, 30 minutes. I'm buff. There's no shortcuts. you got to work out probably more than once a month. I wish I could lose 30 pounds in a day. How many of you would like to lose 30 pounds in one day? Hey, it took you 30 years to gain it. Shortcuts. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. So when you leave here today, go find your Bible. Your weapon, your sword. Make it a part of your life again. Go find your prayer closet, dust it. Get the junk of the world out of your prayer closet and start praying again. You want to be, you want to receive the anointing, you want to walk in the anointing, you're going to have to do some things. I'm a firm believer, and you can disagree with me all you want to, but I got the microphone. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes from a heart that's seeking Him. I don't believe you just get the Holy Spirit. I think I'd like to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And God says, okay, you need to do this, this, and you need to do some things. No, nah, no, nah, I just want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By faith, I want to receive it. Come on, give it to me. And God says, uh-uh. You really mess it up. He says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. In Luke 11, which I think is a prelude to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people don't see that, but I do. Pre pre previous to that, when he says, if, you're, if your son asked you for this, and would, you, would you give him something bad? If he asked you for this, would you give him something? No, 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 no. But you go to the previous verses, he said, Persevere. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Some of you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you haven't yielded to the Lord yet. You haven't yielded to Him. He's ready. He wants to give you the baptism. He wants to baptize you. But you have not allowed... You, you've not... You, listen, I don't believe you get cleaned up to get saved, but I believe in a sense you, you start getting rid of some things in your life so the Holy Spirit can come and move in your life. That's just me. And now, dear children, remain or abide in him so that when he is revealed, we may have... Listen to this, guys. So that when he's revealed, we may have joyful confidence and not be ashamed. Not be ashamed when we stand before him at his appearing. If you were to come back right now, you're probably going, man, I hope he does right now because I'm in church. I remember when I was growing up and, you know, I was doing some things I shouldn't do. You're thinking, man, I hope Jesus doesn't rapture. I hope he doesn't come back now. 
because, man, he's going to find me in a bad, I'm not, ooh, this doesn't look good. Anybody ever think that way? I'm in an R-rated movie. She's coming back in an R-rated movie. You just want to be in a G-rated movie when he comes back. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And when he comes back, I want him to find me faithful. See, I, I believe there are going to be people that when he, when he comes back, or when they, when they take their last breath and they stand before God, they're gonna, there's going to be a moment, maybe just a moment of, Oh, God, I wish I'd have done more for you. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize all this that you had for me. And, and I'm so sorry I didn't, I didn't allow you to come and just capture me. I'm so sorry I didn't live for you the way I should have lived. I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. I should have stayed away from that. I should have stayed away from them. God, I am so sorry. It's going to be too late. And I'm not saying that that's not going to keep you out of heaven. But I think this verse says when, when, when he comes back, I want, to, I want to stand before and say, God, I know, I know it may be compared to a lot of people. I didn't do a whole lot, but I'm confident. I'm confident, Lord, that I've given you my life and I've served you to the best of my ability. That's what he, I said, why, that's what I want. To be able to say, I know I won't be able to say anything. I'm just going to go, uh, <laughs> I guess to come in. <laughs> right. He wants us to be confident in our faith. Have a joyful confidence. And not be worried. Oh, is he going to come back today? Because I had some plans that didn't look too godly this afternoon. Y'all hearing me? Stand up. Most all of this all of this chapter was just about if you really want to experience everything God has for you, abide in Him, spend time with Him, know His Word. Could I have the ministry team go ahead and come to the front? The praise team's going to come up. We're actually going to play an invitation song. God wants to empower every believer. Now you may not want to be empowered. You may not, you may say, you know what, I just, I'm a believer and, and I've got my ticket and I'm okay. But I'm going to pray for you right now that, that you're not okay with that. Not a manipulation prayer. I don't believe in praying manipulation prayers. But I believe that the heart of God is that He wants you to seek Him with all of your heart. That's His heart. I mean, it's in His Word. <laughs> seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He says that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says that. Put Him first in everything. That's what He wants you to do. He wants you to put Him first in everything. I don't know what your prayer life looks like, your Bible life looks like. I, I, I guess I know something about your church life because you're here this morning. But it's not about church. It's not about coming to church or coming to assemble together. It's about your personal relationship with the Father. It's about your personal relationship with Him. He desires fellowship with you. The world's creeped in. He wants the world out so more of Him can get in. Bow your head. about to sing a song it says make me a vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be I pray that that's the, the cry of your heart this morning that you'll let God make you what he wants you to be so I'm going to just I'm not I'm just going to open up the invitation time for whatever God is doing in your heart this morning you'll be obedient to him maybe it's just to come and kneel at this altar just bypass the ministry team They'll let you kneel up here. Maybe it's just you come in and say, God, I want everything you have for me. Prepare my heart to receive that. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you.
Maybe you're, you've had questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're like, I just don't quite get it, don't understand it. But God's asking, are you seeking it? With all your heart, that's the, that's the first prerequisite to seek Him. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. He wants to fill you. So Father, this morning, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all come. If you need prayer this morning, if you need to come to this altar, we're going to make room for you at the altar. Just come. Let's sing here.